Within the act of forgiveness lies an extraordinary power. It is the power to right wrongs, heal wounds, and ultimately change the course of history. It is a call to show grace and mercy, not merely as a social recommendation or personal disposition, but as a mandate from the God who forgave us first. Out of love, he chose to take all of our personal garbage and sweep it away, erasing it from our past. In exchange, we have received a clean slate, a brilliant future filled with opportunities to pass this gift on to each other. Through the love of Christ, we too have the power to overlook offenses, right wrongs, and heal history. We too have the power to sweep it all into a big pile of garbage and watch it burn away. Because of the one who showed mercy on us first, we too have the power of forgiveness. Things very clear in the scriptures. How we have the power of forgiveness after our, our last two weeks. This is our third week in a uh, study on the book of Philemon, a living lesson on forgiveness. Uh, there's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very powerful thing to, you know, to experience a lesson of forgiveness. And today is our third Sunday, and for the last two weeks we have been carefully observing uh, this important subject of forgiveness in the Scriptures. Uh, week one, we uh, concluded that uh, God is a God of forgiveness. And if God is a God of forgiveness, Exodus uh, 34, 6 told us that the Lord God who forgives iniquity, He forgives our iniquities and our transgressions and sin. So God is a God of forgiveness. Um, and it's obviously, it's, 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 you know, it's all over the Scripture. Jesus reminded us when He was teaching the disciples in Matthew chapter 6 that if... You forgive others their trespasses and sins against you. God will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other people their offenses, their sins, their trespasses against you, God will not forgive you. So in other words, uh, we understood that God is a God of forgiveness. So God's forgiveness of us is based on our forgiveness of others. Uh, that's not an easy thing to do. God is a forgiving God, and so we are to be His forgiving people. Um, you are never more like God, we also said. You are never more like God than when you forgive a person who has wronged you. Um, now, is it easy to forgive? Is it easy to forgive? Let's be honest, no. A big no to that. And so our second week, we learned that forgiveness... It's not just a command from God. God is a God of forgiveness, but it's also difficult on the human on the human part, on a human being. And so, uh, why is it so hard to forgive so many times? Because forgiving someone means you have to let go. And a lot of times as human beings, we don't want to let go. We want to hold, uh, and I remember I mentioned you the uh, illustration of a man hugging a cactus, right? We don't want to let go of that cactus. And even though it's hurting us, we don't want to let it go. And the reason it's so hard to forgive is because we, in our human, in our sinful nature, we are more prone to hold on to those things that hurt us than to let it go. And so another reason why we don't easily forgive is because we are afraid. What if we get hurt again? What if, what if, what if? Right? And so here Paul tells Philemon when he writes the smallest letter the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament... He writes to Philemon and he makes sure he's preparing the stage. He's preparing the, uh, the, the, the moment where he's going to ask uh, Philemon to forgive somebody. To forgive Onesimus who has hurt Philemon. He has hurt Philemon really bad. He didn't just run away from him, but he stole from him also. And so Paul is trying to prepare the, the stage where he's going to bring the subject of forgiveness. But interesting enough, it's not just forgiveness. He's also going to bring the subject of reconciliation. And I just want to give it to you up front. It's not the same thing to forgive and reconcile. When you forgive and reconciliation, when you understand those two things, you will realize it's two different things. But Paul, after he introduces himself in verses 1 through 3, then he goes on verse 4, where uh, we were uh, looking at this last week, and he says, I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon. 
So you and I are friends, you and I are co-workers in the ministry, but I also pray for you because I keep on hearing about two things, Philemon. I keep on hearing of your faith in the Lord Jesus. And we said that faith, we said last week, faith is a quality that a person, a forgiving person needs, because a lot of times faith means to trust, and a lot of times we don't easily trust that person who's asking us for forgiveness, but we have to have faith or trust in Jesus that He is in control of all those things that we are going through with those people who has done something wrong against us. So you have to have faith. And the Apostle Paul, I hear about the faith, says, I hear about the faith, you have in the Lord Jesus, but I also hear about your love for God's people. So faith and love are two qualities that a forgiving person has to have. Why? Because this is the way faith works, he says in verse 6. And I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith. So if you have faith, you trust in Jesus for that person who's asking for forgiveness... But you trust in Jesus and you show your generosity towards that person who is asking you for forgiveness. And then he continues saying in verse 6, As you understand and experience all the good things that you have, that we have in Christ. In other words, if you experience all the good things you have in Christ, you have experienced forgiveness. And if you have experienced forgiveness and generosity from the Lord, then you should give what you have received, forgiveness and generosity. And then he explains the second quality from verse 5 of love. We also said he explains it in verse 7. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother. So you see the intimate relationship that Paul had with Philemon. There was an intimate relationship. And that's going to be very important for us to understand uh, for what we're going to be talking about today. And he says, your love has, trans- uh, has translated into kindness. You have given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. So your love for all God's people, in verse 5, has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. Because your love has translated into kindness. Your love for God's people has resulted in you being a kind person. So Philemon, I know... You are a man of faith. You are going to trust in Jesus for the person who's going to ask you for forgiveness. But you also are a loving person as a result of that faith that you are going to be kind and you are going to welcome this person that I'm talking about, that I'm sending. So here we see Paul with a lot of wisdom. With a lot of wisdom working on Philemon's heart, preparing him to forgive Onesimus. Paul is preparing the stage where forgiveness is going to take place. But Paul wants to go the extra mile. And, I, and, I, and we got to pay attention to this because it's not just the subject of forgiveness here. Paul wants to go the extra mile, not just for Philemon to forgive, but also for Philemon to reconcile with the one who wronged him. So one thing is to forgive... Another thing is to have reconciliation with that person who wronged you. And so he says, after, um, uh, he says in verse 8, and, uh, and moving forward from verse 8 all the way through verse 19, that is why I'm boldly asking, you, asking a favor of you. I'm asking a favor of you, Philemon. I could demand it. Notice how smart the Apostle Paul is. Notice how, uh, you know, how smart he is in how he's setting up the stage. He's not forcing Philemon to do something that Paul says, You know, I'm the Apostle Paul. I brought you to the feet of Christ. You came to know to the knowledge of Jesus because of me, but I'm not going to force you. I'm asking a favor. So he says, I'm asking a favor. Uh, I could demand it in the name of Christ because it's the right thing to you uh, for you to do. But because of our love. So there is again the intimate relationship Paul had with Philemon. Because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you, consider this a request from me. And he tells him, Paul and all men. And now also a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child Onesimus. So now he's not saying, Philemon, I have a close relationship with you, but I also have a close relationship with Onesimus. He is my child in the faith. 
So the, for the first time, Paul finally mentions Onesimus' name on this letter in verse 10. He, you know, he's using wisdom. He's preparing the heart. He's preparing the stage for what he's, he's going to say soon to Philemon. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus has, hasn't been of much use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of us. So he's showing Philemon that he also has a close relationship with Onesimus. Paul has a close, a dear, a loving relationship with these two guys that he brought to the feet of Jesus. I'm sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. What more can he show how much he cares for these guys? He showed that he cares so much for these guys. And so he tells Philemon, I wanted to keep him. Here with me while I'm in this chains for preaching the gospel, for preaching the good news. And he would have helped me on your behalf. In other words, Philemon, it should be you here helping me. I could have kept Onesimus here, but I'm not going to do that. And so he says in verse 14, But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. So the Apostle Paul is also respecting Philemon. He is understanding Philemon's heart and Philemon's situation and Philemon's humanness. His humanness might be like, you know what, what, what are you doing? Are you, are you saying you're not forcing me, but are you really forcing me because you're the Apostle Paul? And he says, no, 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 I don't want to do anything without your consent. He's having empathy in however Philemon feels about Onesimus at this point. And I, wanted you to, I want you to help because you were willing... Not because you were forced. I'm not going to force you to forgive. I'm not going to force you to reconcile. I'm asking you because of our love, because of our love, because of who I am, because of our relationship, I want you to be willing to do it. I don't want you to be forced. Verse 15, it seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so you could have him back forever. He's not longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, Philemon, do you consider me a partner? Philemon, do you care for me as the Apostle Paul? Do you care for me as the one who planted the church that's in your house? Remember, Philemon had a church in his house, according to verse, uh, from verse 1 through 3, we saw that. And he says, so if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you are welcoming me. The Apostle Paul is willing to put his hands in the fire for Philemon, for Onesimus before Philemon. And if he has wronged you in any way, he owes you anything, charge it to me. And then in, in, in bold letters, verse 19, he says, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. And I won't mention that you owe me your own very soul. So, as you can see when we read these verses all the way to verse 19, there is a close relationship the Apostle Paul has with these two. But there is something the Apostle Paul is intending to do here. He is trying to bring not just forgiveness, but he is also trying for reconciliation to happen. And as we read these verses, we can see that Paul is not, he's not only asking for that, but the point is to go the extra mile to go and to be reconciled. Now, can you forgive without reconciliation? Can you forgive somebody and not be reconciled with that person? So let me explain something really quick. One thing is to forgive, and a different thing is to reconcile. Do we have a choice on forgiveness if we're children of God? If we are children of God, we have no choice. We, we are to forgive those who have offended us. Now, do we have to reconcile with somebody just because that person, we forgave that person? Forgiveness is not really an option. If you're a child of God, you should always forgive. It's a command from the Lord. Reconciliation should always be the goal, listen to this, on healthy scenarios. 
Reconciliation should be the goal when the situation is healthy. But there are situations that are not healthy. And so reconciliation doesn't always happen. But forgiveness should happen. And a lot of times we mix the two. We mix forgiveness with reconciliation. If one person forgive, doesn't mean that he's going to get in the cage with the lion to be devoured. In other words, reconciliation should always be the goal in healthy scenarios. But it is not always going to be a reality because every situation is different. Some situations are not healthy at all. It's possible to forgive someone without offering immediate reconciliation. Sometimes reconciliation takes a process. The other person, the the person who has been offended... The person who you wrong needs to process to see if you are for real. If your repentance is for real. That's why Paul is telling Philemon, I know Onesimus. I brought him to the feet of Christ. And I know I'm sending with him my own heart. I can put my hands in the fire for Onesimus. So Paul is not just asking Philemon to forgive him, but to reconcile. What is the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation? Reconciliation and forgiveness, reconciliation involves forgiveness. So you cannot reconcile without forgiving. Forgiveness is the first thing you do. Once you forgive this person, the next step is, you have to decide, do I want to reconcile? Is it healthy for me to get close to this person or do you set some boundaries? Let me give you a quick example. If a man is abusing his wife and is, is beating his wife physically, if he's, if, if, if he's abusing his wife emotionally, verbally, and, and all the other things, and a wife finds out that that man is cheating on her, though she has to. This is a mistake I heard many people say before. No, if you forgive, you have to get back to that person. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you got to forgive. But is it healthy to reconcile and go back to the same situation knowing that all these things are going to continue to happen to you over and over and over? No. You put boundaries. And Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 5. There is a choice you have in that case. But a lot of times, people don't understand the difference between forgiveness. Yes, I can forgive. I don't have to necessarily reconcile if it's not healthy. I can forgive if that person ever needs a glass of water. I'm not going to deny a glass of water. That's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12. If your enemy is thirsty, give him water. If your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. It doesn't mean you're going to sit and you're going to enjoy the rest of your life there with that person. You forgive... But to reconcile is a different thing. And so reconciliation involves forgiveness. Forgiveness comes first. Then after you forgive, you might get into a process if you are going to reconcile with that person, if it's the wise thing to do, if it's the right thing to do, or if it's a healthy thing to do for your own spiritual life. And this is what Paul is trying to do. Not all situations are like this. There are situations where reconciliation is is, is harder. And there are situations where reconciliation should happen. And so every situation is different. The nature of every situation is different. So reconciliation involves forgiveness, but it goes beyond forgiveness. When I forgive someone... There's no guarantee that I uh, that we will have restore a restore relationship. Again, boundaries sometimes are necessary. It might well be that even after I have forgiven someone, we remain away from each other. Reconciliation, however, restores the relationship. It restores the relationship. Forgiveness may be one-sided thing. In other words, forgiveness, you can forgive a person even if the other person hasn't asked you. If he hasn't asked you for forgiveness, you still forgive. But reconciliation, it takes two. And it takes two. And and let me tell you one thing that reconciliation takes. A lot of humbleness. A lot of humbleness. 
Because one of the reasons we don't reconcile with each other is because of our pride. Because of our pride, so many times, we don't want to accept that we made a mistake. You, you remember what Air Supply said? It's hard for me to say what? You know the song. Come on. Don't. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry, right? And we learned that song and we used to sing that song back in the 80s. But we didn't realize it is true. It's hard to say I'm sorry. All it takes is for you to one day just say, you know what? I am sorry I messed up. And it's so hard because our pride is eating us up. Our pride is eating us up so much that we rather be prideful and we rather keep on grabbing that cactus and keep on hugging that cactus. It doesn't matter if it's hurting me. But for me to say I'm sorry, man, that looks weak. I don't want people to think I'm weak. There's no way. And so it's not just pride on that, on that area, but a lot of times there's pride on the forgiving person. I'm not going to forgive that. That hurt me. And a lot of times it's, a lot, it's about the me person. You know, it's about me. And so reconciliation restores relationships. Forgiveness a lot of times is a one-sided thing. I have to make the choice. You know what? Despite of what a person does or says, how a person behaves, I'm going to forgive that person. That person might never come to say, I'm sorry, I messed up. But I have to forgive because forgiveness gives me freedom. It gives me freedom from the prison of bitterness. And it gives me freedom for me to move forward with the plans that God has for my life. A lot of times people get stuck. They get stuck and they, don't, they can't move forward because they don't forgive. But reconciliation requires both parties to be willing to participate in restoring a relationship. It, it, it is possible. It is possible to have reconciliation, but it's not always going to happen. Reconciliation will not be possible if the, other, if the two people are not willing to do this. So as we just read in the verses before... Paul is setting up the stage for more than just forgiveness. He's appealing to Philemon for reconciliation. If you think forgiveness is hard, do you think reconciliation is easier? It's harder. It's harder. Because it takes humbleness. So, so in this text, we see three different people who play different roles. Now, as we go over these three people with different roles... I want you to think one thing. Who are you in this process? We got a person who is the offender. Onesimus. We got a person who becomes the mediator. And we got a person who become, who is the person who was hurt. You can call it a victim. I don't like to call it a victim because then a lot of Christians easy, easy, easily they victimize themselves. I don't want you to victimize yourself. You're not a victim. You're a victor. So, but here, here is the offender, the mediator, and here is a person who had been hurt by the offender. So, so I notice one thing. I, I want you to notice, uh, and, and you have the verses in your in your in your outline. You have your verses right there in front of you. So I'm gonna, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm not gonna put all the verses on the screen today. Uh, you can read them from your from your outline. Uh, but in these three roles, there are three different people in this process of forgiveness and reconciliation. It takes three people in this process. The offender. It starts, reconciliation starts with forgiveness. You can do it without the offender asking for forgiveness. But reconciliation, you have to have the offender realize what he did wrong. And accept it and say, forgive me, I'm sorry, and I would love to try to reconcile with you. So in, in, in verse 10, we see that the offender, 
In verse 10, we see that Paul is, it's, Paul is there asking on behalf of the offender. I appeal to you, he tells Philemon in verse 10, to show you kindness. You want, I want you to show your kindness to my child Onesimus. So now Onesimus, notice that the offender now is a believer. <laughs> so as a believer, he's supposed to be a changed person. As a believer, he shows fruit of true repentance. When you become a true believer, if you offended somebody, a fruit of true repentance is that you go and you ask for forgiveness. You go and ask for forgiveness, and that shows that there is a fruit in your life of true repentance. If you truly, if you are truly sorry, if you are truly repented, you will ask for forgiveness. So, he accepted the fact, Onesimus accepted the fact that he did something wrong. So the offender has to accept, I messed up. But again, it's hard to do that. So Onesimus also has the desire to fix this relationship that hurt Philemon. Why? Why am I, why am I saying that? Am I speculating? Am I assuming that? No. Onesimus goes with the letter. How many miles? You, let's see, who remembers how many miles Onesimus walked from Colossae to Rome? Close to it. 1150. 1,150 miles we saw in the map the other day. Onesimus walked. And now Onesimus is walking back to his master with the lettering he sent from the Apostle Paul. And now he's willing to go. Onesimus, as the offender, is willing to go and go restore the relationship. Even though Onesimus might get killed. You know why? Because his master had all the rights according to Roman law. He had the rights to say, you left, you ran away, you stole from me, beat him to death. Whew. So the offender now, I mean, that is tr- fruit of true repentance. Now, I-, I-, I might get killed. But I'm going with the letter from the Apostle Paul. If he forgives me, and if he's willing to reconcile with me, God's desire is for us to reconcile. Unfortunately, it doesn't always happen that way. But I want you to notice, he wants to fix the relationship, so he's going back. In verse 11, we see that his attitude has changed. His attitude has changed because in verse verse 11, Paul says, Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past. And you you know what the name Onesimus means? It means helpful. It means helpful. And he had not been helpful to Philemon before. But then the Apostle Paul says, But now he is very useful to both of us. So his attitude had changed. When a person comes to the knowledge of Christ, their heart changes, their behavior changes, their attitude changes, and they see things in a different way than they did before. And so now they want to fix things. So Onesimus wants to do this and he's willing to serve. Even in verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, you know, he is willing to serve me. If you're not here to serve, he's willing to serve with me. He wants to restore that relationship. That is why he is willing to go and face the one he wronged. He, he wants to show Philemon that he's willing to die to show that the power of the gospel had transformed Onesimus. Because the power of the gospel transforms Onesimus. And he wants to show, you know, I have been transformed. Verse 16. One main thing, one main thing over here with the offender, I repeat it again, is he's humble in accepting that he made a mistake. Again, as hard as it is to say, I'm sorry, that's a, that should be a, a good step towards reconciliation. Um, If the possibility of reconciliation is there, and we choose not to, just because there there are situations that there is not the choice. There's no choice to reconcile because the other person doesn't want to. 
But if the option is there, and it's a healthy situation, that should be our goal. Like in this case, to reconcile two people, two brothers in Christ. So you got the first person, the offender. Now you got the second person. Who's the second person in this in these roles? Is the mediator. Paul acts as the middleman. But but to act like a middleman, hey, I don't know if you ever had a problem with anybody. And then you ask somebody to help you through that process, and you ask the wrong person to do that. Whoo, man. Ask the wrong person to do that, and they can make a huge mess. So Onesimus gets to know the Apostle Paul, and as he gets to know the Apostle Paul, now Onesimus is thinking, you know what, Paul is the man. Paul is the man to do. Paul is a spiritual man. He's a mature believer. He's a mature believer. He loves me. He loves Philemon. He loves both of us. And so he begins, basically, he's telling Paul and he's opening up to Paul and tells Paul, this is all the wrong things that I did against Philemon. But if, 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 I, I need you to be the middleman. And so uh, Paul is the one who writes this. And notice that Paul takes it serious. If you ever ask from a person to be the middleman, take it serious. Paul takes it serious. In verse 1, Paul says, this is Paul. From the opening of the letter, he receives the letter, opens the letter, has Onesimus in front of him. Probably, I don't know what feelings, how, what his emotions were at the moment he sees Onesimus, right? But he opens the letter, immediately he says, this is I, Paul. Whew. Good enough. And then in verse 19, he says again, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. So, but basically, Paul is the mediator, the middleman. The offender who is seeking true reconciliation understands he needs a mediator. It's just like we, we need a mediator between God and us. We couldn't do it on our own. We need a mediator between God and us and our mediator. And we'll look at a verse in a moment. But it's Jesus. He brings reconciliation between God and man. That is the purpose. That is God's desire. So somebody who has a genuine love for both sizes. Don't ever look for somebody to reconcile two people that cares for one but doesn't care for the other. Because it's going to be a one-sided thing. You have to find somebody who's neutral. You have to find somebody who is mature in the faith. Don't just find somebody because they're your friends. Your friends are always going to side with you. Come on. Let's be honest with that. Let's find somebody who can really, truly help. So he loved Philemon. I could demand it, he said. Paul, in verse 8, he says, I could demand it. But in verse 9, he says, because of our love. So he loved Philemon. I prefer simply to ask you for Onesimus to be forgiven. He loved Onesimus too. So as we read in those verses, Paul knew human behavior. Watch this. Paul knew human behavior. So instead of forcing Philemon to forgive and to reconcile, what, does, what happens with human behavior when you force people to do something? That doesn't go well, right? I'm not just because he's telling me I'm not going to do it. I heard people say that before. I'm not going to do it. But instead, Paul, knowing human behavior, Paul goes in a loving way saying, I'm not forcing you. I'm asking you. Because of our love, we love each other. We're brothers in Christ. You and I are co-workers in the ministry. And so he's looking He's, he's appealing to the love that they have for each other. What, you know, a, a mediator is a person with wisdom like the Apostle Paul, who lovingly comes and asks for reconciliation between two people on the basis of love. His wisdom, the Apostle Paul, his wisdom leads him to, heaven, to have empathy with Philemon. He has empathy with Philemon. How does he feel? Because he lost his servant. And he, you know, he, he stole some stuff from him. He has empathy. And in verse 14, 
He says, but I didn't want you to, I, I didn't want to do anything without your consent. So I, I understand where you're coming from. So a, a person who becomes a mediator has to be a person of understanding. It has to be a person who can put, who, who can, you know, be and put himself in the shoes of the other person who has been offended. You know, I heard many times before where people tell other people, no, you have to do it. Well, you, you don't know how I feel. Well, it doesn't matter how you feel. You have to do it. No, it does matter how you feel. Because your feelings are controlled by your emotions. And your feelings, the more you feel that, the more your emotion grows in you. Whether it's positive or negative. And so at some point, you have to let a person with maturity to help you with this. So the Apostle Paul, as the middleman, he desires to see a relationship restored by the transforming power, power of God. It seems like everybody's all enough, huh? No worries, it's just about... It's just the alarm, the float alarm. That's all it is. No big deal. We're safe. A little bit of rain. So the Apostle Paul here, he desires this relationship to be restored. So, it, it, you know, so again, where are you? Are you the offender? And have you been humble enough to say, I have to ask forgiveness? Or are you the middleman? And now, do you have some of these qualities as the middleman? Are you a mature believer? Or do you think you're a mature believer? Or, or do you act? Because of the power of love, because of, you know, a relationship has to be restored by the transforming, the transforming power of God. Are you basing that? Are you taking sides? Or are you in the middle being neutral to try to reconcile people? He is no longer like a slave to you, he says in verse 16. He's more than a slave. For he is a beloved brother. Notice, notice, Paul, Paul has just been telling Philemon how much he loves him. How much our love for each other. It's on basis of that I'm asking you to reconcile with Onesimus. And now he's telling, he's more than a slave. He's not a slave anymore. He's more than that. He's your brother. Especially to me, he says. He, I care for this guy. So Paul is showing both of them that he cares for both of them the same way. He's not taking sides. So if you're ever the mediator, don't ever take sides because that's not pleasing to God. And don't ever, don't ever hear one side of the story without hearing the other side, please. You know what the Bible says about that? It says that only fools do that. Because it says that you believe the person who tells you one story until their adversary, their advers adversary comes and tells them something different. Then you hear both sides and you're like, oh wait, that's not the same thing I heard from here. Now you have a better, you have a better chance of making a judgment. Here is Paul trying to restore a, a, a relationship by the transforming, transforming power of God. Let me tell you one thing. Unfortunately, there are people who, instead of becoming peacemakers, because when you become the middle person, you're supposed to be a peacemaker. But there are people who, instead of becoming peacemakers... They just pour more gasoline into the fire. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Did he do that to you? I can't believe it. Yeah, no, no. That's not right. You are the wrong middleman. You're just instigating. Never do that. You see the example of Paul here? Oh, I love you, but I love him. I love you, Philemon, but I love him. I, what I want, Philemon, is... Why don't we work this out? And basis of love, by the power of the gospel, by the transforming power of God, can we work this out? We're brothers. He's not a slave to you. We're brothers. Let's work this out. A mediator is convinced that the offender has truly repented. 
That's why Paul is willing to put his hands into the fire for Onesimus. And he tells him in verse 17, So if you consider my, me your partner, welcome him as you will welcome me. I'm putting my hands into the fire. I'm putting my word for this man. There is a quality in the Apostle Paul, same as in Onesimus. And there's a quality of the middleman. The middle person has to be a humble person. To come between two people, to show them that they love, that he or she loves these two people, and that they want the best for them. That's what the Apostle Paul is doing here. He comes with humbleness. I'm not going to demand it from you. But you know what the right thing is to do. And as a matter of fact, Paul says in verse 9, he tells him, I'm an old man. You know that in, in, the, in, the, in the Roman world, you know what it means to tell somebody, I'm an old man? It means that he was helpless. Dependence. So Paul is telling Philemon, Philemon, I'm helpless. Plus, I'm in jail. I'm helpless. I depend on you, Philemon, to do the right thing. So Paul is humble. He's not with an arrogant, stinky attitude. Saying, you got to do it because I'm the Apostle Paul. I'm the super apostle. No, he said, no, I'm an old man. I need your help. I, I need you to be. So, if you're the offender, be humble. If you're the middle person, be humble. Desire the best for both sizes. Because we come to the third person, the person who's the sufferer. The sufferer or the person who was offended. We have talked about Philemon last week. And we noticed that he's a man of faith. He's a man of love. He's a man of kindness. It's easy to forgive. Probably Philemon said, okay, I'll forgive him. But now he keeps on reading, and as he keeps on reading, oh, i got to reconcile too. I don't have to just forgive him, but I have to open the doors of my house again? What if he steals from me again? What if he runs away again? Hey, have you ever been offended, and, and when you forgive a person, you, you're there thinking, what if they do that to me again? Well, that's where the quality of faith, remember we saw that last week? Philemon was a man of faith. He doesn't trust that person. Because it's not easy to trust the person who offended you. But he's trusting. His faith, it says in verse 5, is in the Lord Jesus. You trust in Jesus that that person is in the hands of God and they are showing fruits of true repentance that they are really repented and they want to change. In this case, the relationship had the potential for reconciliation. Not all, the, not all situations have the potential of reconciliation. But when there is the potential to reconcile, we should try as hard as we can. So Paul, Paul, Paul puts it all together and puts all the case before Philemon. And at this point, the, the ball is on Philemon's court. Here, here we see the actions of a forgiving person. Notice, in verse 15, for example, Paul is expecting Philemon because of his qualities. He's expecting Philemon as the person who is going to forgive, to give Onesimus, the offender, a second chance. How is it, is it to give a person a second chance? Not easy. Not easy. It seems like you lost Onesimus for a little while, he says in verse 15, so that you can have him back forever. So in other words, you should be willing to give him a second chance. He has a transformed life. So he's open to a transformed life. Verse 16. Willing to welcome the offender and opening up the doors of your home. Forgiveness... When the offender comes, you have to forgive. Reconciliation may be a process. And it doesn't always happen because not both of those people are willing to do it. Or sometimes it's not a healthy situation. 
But let me finish with this. What does the Bible say about reconciliation between two believers? This is what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15 through 18. It says, the Apostle Paul tells the people the, uh, from the Ephesian church, he's talking to, uh, to Jews and to Gentiles. And remember, Jews and Gentiles didn't get along very well. And he says, and in one body he reconciled both of them to God. Jews and Gentiles. He brought them together to God. They had differences, but now, you know, he brought everybody here together to be reconciled to God. Through the cross. So, through the cross, we can be reconciled with one another. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're white, black, Latino, whoever you are, it doesn't matter. God doesn't see races. God sees people. God sees the heart. And He reconciles all of us under the cross. Under the cross... You and I are exactly the same. And when we're buried, we're also become the same. Dust. So we, we just make differences because of our own sinful natures. But, but, but it, under the cross, through the cross, by which He put to death their hostility, He came and preached peace to you, who were far away, and peace to you who were near. Peace to all of you. Reconcile with one another because of the cross, he says. Romans chapter 12, verse 18, it says that we have to do all that we can to live in peace with everyone. It doesn't say you are going to live in peace with everyone. It says you have to do everything you can to be at peace with everyone, right? In other words, do your part. Have a clear conscience that you did your part to be at peace with everyone. But sometimes the other person is not going to want to be at peace with you. And that's okay. Let God deal with that person. You deal with yourself. I'm concluding with this. I'm just going to say, with whom do you identify yourselves in this process? Humbleness from all three people have to be a heart with humbleness. Forgive and reconcile before it's too late. Twenty thirteen. Ten years before that, I have forgiven my father for kicking me out in the street when I was only thirteen years old. I joined gangs to survive. Slept in the streets. We would sleep together with other children so we wouldn't be raped in the streets. I forgive that. And we begin to develop a good relationship. Um, 2012. We're not speaking to each other because of a person who created a situation that was a completely lie and my father had been mad at me. Because he was mad at me, I was resentful towards him. And I was so resentful that on December 24, we're celebrating Christmas Eve. My niece tell me, Uncle, here's my, here's my Papi Chavez, my dad. She called him Papi Chavez. And I said, another time I don't know if my father wanted to hear my voice for the last time and I wish I could hear my father's voice for the last time let's hurry to forgive people and let's reconcile 
as soon as possible. That was December 24, 2012. January 3rd, the next phone call I got, it wasn't from my father. It was from his wife that my father had died. And my father died without me talking to him, without me hearing his voice. Because pride got the best of both of us, especially me. I have lived for years asking God how's my father I shared the gospel with him so many times was my father mad at me I pray and I'm going to be honest with you I'm going to live with that the rest of my life, even though I know God forgave me. But I'm going to live with that the rest of my life just because I wasn't willing to grab the phone and to hear my father's voice for the last time. There might be people you don't forgive and you don't reconcile with them just because of pride. You know what? You don't know if it's a family member, if it's a person you care for. You don't know if that's going to be the last time you're going to hear them. Obey God and reconcile with each other. Under the cross of Christ, come to reconciliation with the Lord and with those people. Let's not wait until it's too late. And then we have these regrets that we have to live with for the rest of our lives. Our Father in Heaven, we, we want to thank You, Jesus. Thank You for the cross. Thank You for Your love. Thank You, Jesus, for all the opportunities You have given us. You are the God of second chances. And we ask for forgiveness for our mistakes and our pride and our lack of humbleness. We ask for forgiveness, Lord, because we know that You want us to reconcile with You. Forgive us of our sins. Just as we are willing to forgive others. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.